What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Collective Network. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as it helps us out quite a bit. Uh, but no, I'm excited. We're diving into a podcast and uh, what it's like being a product manager of SRAM Zip. Um, and uh, that's SRAM, by the way. Uh, we, we sit down and we chat the different uh, ways that SRAM's pronounced and uh, how it's pronounced wrong. And honestly, there was a long time where I couldn't really hear the difference in for all I know, I'm probably still pronouncing it poorly, but uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing it okay, but I know Nathan Shakel is going to be the guy who's going to pronounce it properly. Uh, Nathan is not only a product manager for Zip and building wheels, handlebars, componentry, but he's also um, an athlete. Yeah, he is, a, he is a master's athlete. He has a past racing in a professional pro one, two field. Um, but yeah, so we just sit down, we chat about his life, we chat about who he is, how he found himself becoming a product manager of one of the biggest wheel companies in the world um and yeah it's a lot of fun so anyways enough of me chatting and uh let's dive into this week's episode but first let's dive into this week's sponsors and new this week onyx maps all you need to do is go to onyxmaps.com and check out this app this is the hiking and ski app with all the maps that you can possibly think of if you have no service in this crazy mountain world that you're in and uh in whatever you can use onyx as a uh, offline maps uh, access saved maps from anywhere and locate yourself in the wild the gps in your mobile device works perfectly offline even when the network is non-existent so please go check out onxmaps.com for the ultimate adventure maps view the landscape in 3d or use satellite imagery topographical maps or hybrid base maps that combine the two see the public land boundaries trail data recreation points and you can even check the forecast with the app and drop custom waypoints where places that you want to explore and places that you want to share or just places that you never want to forget so you're going to want to check out this app at onxmaps.com that's onxmaps.com Com. Also back for another episode is Sierra Nevada. Guys, if you haven't already, you got to go check out SierraNevada.com. Um, like I said, week after week, you know, the hazy little thing is my favorite beer. But honestly, I got to stick with the old fashioned this week. I'm going to the uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which comes in that little green can or the Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA, which is also a huge fan favorite. So please be sure to go check out SierraNevada.com. And if you want Sierra Nevada in your liquor store or a store near you, all you need to do is let them know, hey, I want Sierra Nevada, but I'm pretty sure they have it as Sierra Nevada is probably one of the best beers in the world. And uh, yeah, I might be a little bit biased, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, anyways, also back for another episode is Spot. Spot Insurance. We take the pain out of dealing with costly injuries by providing low-cost straightforward injury coverage whether you got insurance or not and this is why they work with some of the biggest names out there like the icon pass towels usa cycling red bull last stand and many more include spot injury coverage as a benefit with all your adventure needs for all you skiers and riders out there you've got choices when hitting the mountains make sure that you find one that covers you with spot because it's a lot easier to go big when you know somebody's got your back and spot has your back. It, it's crazy because it almost sounds too good to be true, but honestly, if you have spot, it's zero out-of-pocket cost, up to $25,000. All you need to do is go to outofbounds.getspot.com to check it out today, and that's outofbounds.getspot.com. Uh, 
we created a relationship off me breaking my collarbone and me not having insurance and me also not having spot at the time. And they explained the situation to me. What would have happened if I would have had spot? I would have never paid anything out of pocket. So go to outofbounds.getspot.com. That's outofbounds.getspot.com to make sure you're covered today. Anyways, let's dive into this week's episode. Anyways, guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Collective Network. My name is John Kroom. I'm sitting here with Nathan Schickel of Shram Zip. Um, and I think I butchered that. I said I think I said Shram. Shram. It's uh it is Shram. 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 Yes. Shram. And so yeah, let's just dive into that. What's is there like do they bring you guys in when they hire you guys? Do they sit you guys down and they're like, This is how you pronounce it? This is how you say it? Because that that people do butcher it. We're corrected. Um we're corrected. So I I I started working at Zip in 2003, and so yep. when SRAM purchased Zip in 2008, I got brought in with that acquisition, and I don't remember if it was me or someone else, but we were in a meeting somewhere, and somebody said SRAM, and one of the more senior people in the room said, no, it's SRAM, and SRAM. I didn't forget that from that point on. <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like your boss, like you're sitting in there and it's like, yeah, we don't do that. And you're like, yep, I I definitely don't do that anymore. Um <laughs> but can I be honest with you? The yeah. two times that you said it, I couldn't hear the difference. Like it was like I can hear it like when I like shram, but it's sram. Mm. Like it's yes. I almost have to say it fast because if I say it slow, I'm gonna say it wrong. So, this, and do you know I how I found this. out about this? No. How I, like I never knew people said it wrong, but how I uh-huh. found out about people saying it wrong was uh, Nico and Chaz. That makes sense. Yeah, and that so that makes sense. They do so. They do so much media and uh, yeah. with the company. I bet they're like really, really particular about how it's said, and yeah. I bet people are really particular with them on how it's said too. Yeah, and. I'm, this is only because I'm a word nerd. So my yeah. college degree is in linguistics and Russian. And um, are you shitting me? No. Russian? Okay, we'll dive yeah. into that in a second. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so you know, just a f- stupid fact that I know: sr at the beginning of the word doesn't exist in the English language except for except for proper nouns. So like SRAM, or there's yeah. a there's a city i forget I th- there's a city in eastern europe called srebrenica and those are the two examples that i know of beginning of the word sr sounds and that's why it's hard for a lot of english speakers to say oh man okay so well, i just went i just went full easy. word nerd on you and i apologize yeah yeah no no we apologize to this entire podcast but anyways let's just let's <laughs> dive in with you man let's let's I, so you know linguistics russian um you have a past in racing um as an elite and then now you race as a masters rider and you work for stram zip and like how okay how do you find yourself in the industry i mean and and in engineering none the least right like i mean i would say product manager like so so you're developing products I, I work I work in the product development teams, so I am not okay. an engineer. I need to make that clear, otherwise the engineers that I do work with will like get offended. It's like, it's like being yeah. a chiropractor and saying you're a doctor. 
Oh shit! I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if it's that. Right there too. It's, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's that. But my engineers would definitely. The engineers that I work with would definitely have a problem with me saying I was an engineer. I play okay. engineer some days, but it only Six to the eight. irritation of the engineers that I work with. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I started bike racing in 1985, 84, okay, 85. Was, okay. It it was a while ago. And I was born I in '93. Perfect. So okay. just just uh, letting you know was, what's up, man. <laughs> I, I was born in '73, so I've got 20 years on. You. <laughs> All right. Um, so started bike racing and had joined the local club, and was literally hanging out at the local bike shop where I grew up. I grew up in New Albany, Indiana, and um, the, there was a bike shop in a in the next town over called Clarksville, Clarksville Schwinn. I'll give them a. a call out because bob and Susie, the owners there helped me out a lot cycling wise and, and they're still around they're still around right yeah still dude, they sponsored it. texas roadhouse right yeah so look yeah it just comes full circle they even sponsored me at one point exactly so um and i was hanging out there and i really wanted to work like my dad was like you need to get a job you need to pay for this cycling habit because i was breaking parts all the time and yep, yep, uh yep, yep. and so I went in there and I begged Bob for a job, but I was so shy. I couldn't like look people in the eye. I couldn't talk. I was just really awkward. So, you know, my first two weeks were learning how to change flat tires until I could do that competently. And then he started letting me talk to a, a few customers here and there. And I worked there from 1990, 90 or 91 until okay. 2002 okay and i went from that shy kid to assistant manager and then i left when i was as an assistant manager so, so and, then, and then and said college yeah so right. during that period i during that period i went to college uh, i went to indiana university 1991 through 1995 and yeah. uh raced the little 500 four times um you'd be a legend a, in indiana then uh no not really no <laughs> there Isn't are plenty like, of other i don't know it's what big... it is about you people in indiana but like the little 500 like it like eric young who's won mm-hmm. many bike races yeah if i heard one more time that he won the little 500 like i was about to lose my shit like i'm like do you know who this guy is like and maybe it's just the fact that he started off of that right yeah. Well, I mean, little 500 is an interesting experience though. I mean, it was the four times I raced it, you know, there's between seven and 10,000 people there. I think, I think that's yeah. how many people they fit into the, into the, into the stadium. And as a bike racer, especially an amateur bike racer in the United States, how many times do you have the opportunity to race in front of that many people? That's valid. Yeah, that's valid. You know, and oh. and it was one of the one of the few that was regularly televised, whether it was like NBC picking it up or somebody else, and now it's streamed on on the internet. But it was televised. They did stories about it, so it was a wow. It was a big deal. It was it's a it's a goldfish bowl, but it's a big deal if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, no. I mean, it is a big deal. I I do know about yeah. it, and I know I know it's I know it's like a pretty big thing. I mean, still running, still doing mm-hmm. it. So it's it's a huge event. So 
Yeah. So that's and, is that, uh, so is that kind of where you get started into bike racing or is like, have you kind of just been on and off bike racing? You know, you get what I'm I saying? Had, so like I had been riding and racing all the way through high school and, okay. you know, thinking I was taking it seriously, but not really understanding what taking it seriously was. And, yeah. you know, get to IU and all of a sudden I'm immersed in the cycling culture in Bloomington, which at the time was really something. And it was, it was cool, right? Because um, at the time we'd have people pop in and out of town and some of those people, like I'll never forget, um, there was a guy from central Indiana uh, named Greg Strock. He rode for um, Benesto at one point. Yeah. He rode for their feeder team. So he shows up on, you know, the Benesto Pinarello and it literally says Enduring on the top tube because he rode the same size bike. And wow. I'm like, who is this guy? Because I didn't yeah. know. Right. And it's, yeah. it's a guy that's home from Europe who's been racing in Europe. So like it, it was a really cool scene. And then I understood what it was like to be serious about being a bike racer. So I got more serious with it. And it was at the end of my freshman year that a couple people were like, Hey, we're going to the velodrome to ride. Do you want to go with us? I don't, I don't have a track bike. We'll work that out. Let's go. Yeah. And that was how I got introduced to the velodrome. Wow. So, and so, yeah. And so then, so you let's like dive into this Russian thing for a second. Like, yeah. When you were deciding, Hey, I want to go study. Where in the hell did you go? Oh yeah, this is, this is what I need. So, well, I grew up in the Cold War, which, okay. you know, the Soviet Union and Russia was always the enemy. And it was always, for me, it was a source of fascination. Yeah. Um, but in high school, I took German. And then early on in high school, they started offering Russian as a class. So I was able to take two years of Russian in high school. And yeah. I discovered at the time I really enjoyed languages. And it's like, okay. And when I graduated high school, you know, there's you when you graduate high school, there's the pressure of, okay, what are you going to do next? And I was like, well, I think I'm going to just study Russian because that's fun. It's interesting. I get to learn more about the culture and so on and so forth. And sort of in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I could be a spy. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of was there, but I I don't think I ever really had any real crystallization around it. And, and yeah. so... I, is this you know, a spy tactic? Is this a spy tactic right now? Like uh, I'm finding no. out you're a spy on a fucking podcast. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I tried to have interviews and and had some interviews with with different groups and was yeah. told I wasn't suited for the job. And uh, shit. But you know, I mean, were you are you fluent in Russian? Like, are you fluent? I was. Now? Not anymore. you were. Yeah, okay. there was a there was a period of time like when I graduated college, I dreamt in Russian and and could hold a conversation in Russian and and so forth. Wow. Now, I took so in high school I took German and Russian, and were you fluent in, my, in German? I was operational in German. Opera, okay, you get through. Okay. So, like I could I could get through, and in my life today, I haven't traveled since the pandemic, but like I use German more often than I use Russian. Part of that's because that, SRAM has SRAM has offices yeah. in Germany, so I'm in yeah. Germany a couple times a year, um, and that's always it's always nice to at least understand what the conversation is. Maybe you may yeah. not fully get it, but you understand. You know, you you uh -huh. 
gathering bits and pieces. So yeah, no, and so that's, that's yeah, that's wild. And so, do you, yeah. have you ever been to Russia? No, never been to Russia. So no. See, so and the I still think... summer, the summer after Go my ahead. freshman year in college. There was a there was a planned group from IU of Russian majors to go, but it was, you know, that was six months after the fall of the Soviet Union. There was a lot of turmoil in that area of the world, and State Department pulled any guarantee of safety for Soviet for uh, U.S. U.S. citizens over there. So the university pulled their sponsorship of the trip. So I was yeah, not going. Yeah. So and I've never well, made it back. Well, it's crazy because like it's it's even kind of ironic in our lifetime, you know, with what's going on over there right now. You know, yeah, I will probably be in my lifetime one of the last groups of cyclists that have, from the states that will have raced in yeah. Belarus, yeah, um, and even Saint Petersburg, right? And so it's it's kind of wild to think about, um, yeah. But anyways, and so then how does like your language find you? at a product manager position like because i'm not gonna lie man and and maybe and don't take this the wrong way I'm, it's gonna come across of me being an asshole but i used to think that your job like is very very important and not only is it very very important but i feel like you would have to have this huge engineering degree you would have to be overly smart which i'm assuming you're overly smart because if you could speak russian and dream in russian that's insane to me but like yeah i thought of your job like it's kind of one of those jobs where it's like you had to go to school like like i'll never be an engineer of an f1 team or i'll never be an engineer because like i missed out on like eight to ten years of schooling of creation and thought process that i never got i thought you had mm -hmm. one of those kinds of jobs and you probably kind of sort of do, and but it sounds like you kind of folded into it, right? Yeah, I, and you know, like your job, your job is something that pops up on a resume on LinkedIn. That's like, oh, this is something you would be interested in, but you're totally not qualified for. <laughs> that's so, for me. For me, you know. Yeah. So, you know, my experience with product management goes back to my time at Clarksville Schwinn met a product manager for, I think it was Cannondale at the time. I don't remember. Yeah. One of the brands and, you know, just shook his hand, found out what he did. And he was in there asking us questions. And that's a lot of, a lot of my job is asking questions. Um, yeah, you, you know, ask me with handlebars. within, yeah. And within, yeah. within my world at SRAM are the very simple description of our job is voice of customer. I'm supposed to gather information from the market of what the market needs or wants and deliver that to our design team so that we're delivering a product that meets those needs. Yeah. So that's very general terms. Um, I could make a, an so office you go to joke. The, you go to the engineer and you say, yeah. Hey, this is what we need to make. And then you yeah. have it made. And then you almost, you're the third, you're like the middleman almost. Right. So I, I am, I, I work with, engineering teams. I work with our sales team. I work with our marketing team. Um, and you know, it's, I'm, what I'm responsible for is to deliver how the product looks, what it does, how it performs, what it costs, all of those things. I deliver that to the design team. So that frames what they're supposed to do. And then from there, they, you know, 
they work with me and we work together and figure out what we can accomplish, what we can't accomplish. So um, perfect example, on Monday this week, we launched the new 858 NSW and the 808 Firecrest wheel sets. So, and, so. I, and is that, and when the, when it's an 858, does that mean it's 85 mils? So 808, originally, I was, originally 808, just, we had the, we had the format of 303, 404, and 808 came up because it was an, about an 80 millimeter deep wheel. That was Got where it. that came from. Um, yeah. The 858 is because the rim changes by five millimeters. Mm, in the like the in the depth so it's got the sawtooth rim shape so yeah yeah in that depth it changes by five millimeters wow okay so which is honestly like on any like and where you so you had process in developing that wheel right Mm -hmm. and i mean i guess it's similar to so in the design of that wheel like how did you come how do people come up with oh let's change it every so often like in that sawtooth like how does so, you know what I'm saying? So like, how are you yeah. communicating with somebody and being like, "Oh, this is a good idea." <laughs> well, well, you know, I mean, I oftentimes I I sort of look at at my job when I'm communicating with the de- when the, with the development team as I just get to sort of look at blue sky and say, "This is what I want," and mm-hmm. it's really cool, right? That I get to work with product that I get really excited about too. Yeah, like. um, I love riding the 858 and the 808. They're awesome wheels and they're super fast. And so, you know, we, within Zip, we've developed certain technologies and we know what those technologies do to a wheel and to their performance. And so as we sat down to design the new 858, the goal was lightest possible 80 plus millimeter deep wheel. The goal yeah. was as, 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 uh, as aerodynamically efficient as the previous model. And the reason why the reason why I chose as aerodynamically efficient is because we have other ways to make the rider faster. But what we've learned through our 30 plus years of wind tunnel experience is we can make changes in the wind tunnel that look great on a drag graph. But okay. it doesn't actually make the rider faster. Sometimes it actually makes the rider slower. Yeah. So and, and we've so, learned that from just being out in real life like i mean you can always go into a wind tunnel and see one thing and then you take it into real life it's a different process yeah and so so with that you know i said i want it at least as fast if not faster in the wind tunnel and i probably should say more aerodynamically efficient because aerodynamics doesn't equal fast and then you know we had other areas where we can lose weight and losing weight it's minor, but it does affect how fast you go. And then yeah. um, from a rolling resistance perspective, um, I say we, but I really mean the big brains, the engineers. Um, they figured out ways that our tire beds can shape a tire and affect rolling resistance. And so given that, okay, let's make a tire faster. Let's make the wheel roll faster on the ground. Let's make it roll like a good tire. Uh, and, and you know the difference, like you've ridden the track, right, John? So you understand the difference. A little bit. A yeah. middle range, a middle range tire and a really high end tire. Yeah. Like, I'm a really, I'm a tire, you, I'm a tire nerd for sure. I think, a, I think track. a lot of track guys are, 
you know, yeah. but we understand the feeling of that. Okay. This is a middle range tire and I'm not going to, I'm not going to name brands, but this is sort of the middle That's range fine. tire. And then you get on that super high end, really, really nice tire that just sort of hums along and feels like you're floating. And yeah. what we've realized is we have ways to shape the tire bed that does that to almost any tire. Wow. So it, it's a relative change, right? So it doesn't, I got it, it doesn't magically take a mid range tire and make it a top, top performing tire, but it improves the performance of pretty much every tire on the market. That's impressive. And, but and, and that's and a lot of we're seeing that in a lot of rims though. We're seeing that in like I mean, even with like the campy Ghiblies, like they're technically like that's the whole thought process behind those guys is that you know you could throw a mid-range tire on, but the way it blows up is kind of how it helps per performance on some of those tires. And it the thing is too, is like with you guys, I mean with a Ghibli, like you're probably not putting anything else on it besides a Dugas a piece to Evo, a uh, piece yeah. to speed. Like you're not fucking throwing a continental sprinter on it. Like I don't, I, I'll, and I'll name tires yeah. to name tires, but on an 808, you can see a range of a fucking gravel tire all the way to a, you know, a high end tubeless track tire that is used for outdoors. Like, I mean, because it's such not a wide a gravel range. Tire. Used, but, not a gravel but I mean, tire. people are, but what are people using? Like people are using road wheels on the gravel roads yeah but because they're interchanging like, things that's true but specific to like 808 and 858 we didn't design it for gravel so if you wrote it on that, gravel but, it, it would be but, a bad thing and i get that but like it's and, and maybe and maybe this is you being so like mm -hmm. like hey that's not what it's designed for but dude yeah. i've i've seen people throw fucking gravel king 700 by 30 slicks on road wheels and you're like bro this is only going to end one way well no no and, that, and that's not that's not what i'm saying like you know the the 808 and 858 were developed around a 28 millimeter tire okay so they weren't developed around a narrow tire they're developed around a wider tire um, okay got it and their and their operational range is 20 25 to 32 millimeters so okay you know it's not like but the best performance you're going to get out of it is probably in the 28 range is that what years. you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and and like me being on the on the bigger scale, I run 28 in the front, 30 in the rear. Okay. And it and why roll super and, nice. and you choose the 30 in the rear more or less just because you're like, oh yeah, I'm a bigger guy, so like the a little bit more cushion for the pushing kind of thing. <laughs> well, it it's a you know it's it's a case of we use a hookless system, and you yeah. know the hookless system is is bound by international standards and one of those international standards is hookless wheels only can go to 72 and a half psi so uh -huh. um on a 28 at my size on the rear i am bumping up against that 72 and a half psi okay at least from a recommended perspective um yeah what what we found and and being up close with a lot of the data you know like being able to reduce even from that 72 PSI down to 70 or 68, you see all of a sudden this massive change in watts to put out, right? And and yeah. so um, given that, I choose the 30 in the back because one, it feels like it rolls nicer. Two, yeah. it's fast. Like you can tell it's fast. Um, yeah. And there's science behind it. Like we've measured it and there's, there's real Watts behind it. 
it's a couple watts. Yeah. And so, so and we've and we've gone down this path now at this point. <laughs> gone down mm-hmm. this path of of uh, you know, talking about watts, rolling resistance, et cetera. How did you end up in this position, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Like that was the original question. Like, how did you end up here? Like I see and and, and obviously you've been there long enough mm-hmm. where you've seen zip absorb SRAM and then, you know, um SRAM absorbs SRAM absorbs zip. Yeah, that way. And so you've seen, but you've seen that you've seen it come together. And I mean, hell, you've, you're now Velocio. Is it Velocio? I think and time pedals and was it mm-hmm. power tab? We, we've, it's like, we've, we've just we've acquired list, a few companies bro. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, when I joined zip, we were small. I think there were, yeah. if, if I remember the story, right, I was employee number 36 and that included our manufacturing staff here in Indianapolis. No shit in yeah. at zip. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that first day they're like, yeah, you've hired on, you're going to do customer service and sales. Um, and, but you have to know everybody in the, in the company and you have to know every job in the company. So I was introduced to every single employee in the manufacturing, in the warehouse. And I was the first one to not go through like this two week training where you literally did every step of a wheel production. Because I was needed everything. Yeah. Cause I was needed in sales because they were down people and there was one person answering phones that day. Okay. So I had like this three hour training of how to enter a sales order and they were like, okay, Uh here's your desk, sit down, take an order, go at it. And then over the years, I mean, I've been here 19 years. So over the years I've learned, um, and over, you know, I've had a few opportunities over the years to like lay up a wheel build a wheel, so on and so forth. And nine times out of 10, the, the operators in the back, the team members in the back, they're always laughing at me. So yeah. I stay away from that stuff. <laughs> Keeping you honest. So, and so, um, so you yeah. started out in sales at Zip. Yes, I started out in sales. And, and, uh, and then, you know, a lot of times, at least from a SRAM perspective, I don't know if it's true everywhere, product managers come from a sales organization because okay. they're the the idea of a product manager is to be able to bring that market need back to the engineering department or back to got the it, development got team. it got it okay. so you know it's my job to pay attention to what's going on with the market what are the trends in the market understand that deliver that information to the to the engineering team so they can create something actionable from that excuse me so they can create that next generation product and so that being said like do you feel like has there ever been a time where you you feel like you've dropped the mark like you thought you knew the market and you're just like i missed the bubble on this one oh yeah or yeah and is there and, is there and, like an example is there like an example of something where you're just like and you don't have to like name a product where you're like i really goofed on this product i mean unless you can but like is there because i think that's kind of interesting right because you look at like cannondale's lefty right like there mm-hmm. had to be somebody being like this is a great idea and this and it kind of hit right i don't know i think that was a little bit before my time but the candy i think it was a red product yeah it was a red product cool thing and then like yeah. zip like you guys came out like it's a very it's a very niche product right now but y'all came out and it head kind of did this too with the felt bikes but you have that argon narrow fork wheel that was it's it's literally designed for australia pretty much right i mean but okay, but well, i mean guys was, it, well 
specific to that product and then i'll come back to your other question specific yeah, to yeah. that product um you know we were approached by australia cycling we created an agreement with them and then yeah. they did a lot of research and they provided back to us this is what we want you to manufacture so they were working yeah. with argon they were working with us they did the research we feel like this is the fastest system and we provided them prototypes along the way right and yeah. so they they kept testing coming back to us kept testing coming back to us and that's how that wheel was developed that's so wild that's like so it, but that's it was, like such a cool process to think about yeah 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 and uh you know over my over my time as a pm yeah i've i can think of at least two products that i stopped mid development one of which really? was literally at the finish line i mean it was it was an approved product ready for production and i looked at it and i had to tell my boss this isn't good this isn't going to sell well and we've just wasted a year of development how and, much money goes into something like that cuz there's got to be money right Oh yeah. Or is it, um, is it, is it, it like not measurable? I mean, I guess you could measure it if you wanted to, but is it one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's just not look at that right now. <laughs> well, it, and the, and the thing is, is the developments have relative sizes, right? A handlebar, yeah. a handlebar development, like the one I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's like this big and then a wheel yeah. development's like this big. So, okay. you know, if I had, with a handlebar development, it wasn't a good choice. It wasn't, it wasn't good, right? Like it wasn't a yeah. fun conversation to have with anybody in the organization, but it was the right thing to do. If I let a wheel development get that far down the line, I, I don't know if I'd have a job the next day. Really? You know, if I had a product, if I had a product that really wasn't going to go well and I said, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and go to market with it, you know, yeah. but, but then again, that handle Wait. that particular handlebar product that I canceled, that was really early in my time as a PM. So, so are I was you saying starting though, to understand? Just are you process. saying though, like you wouldn't have a job if you would have released the wheel and then the wheel didn't sell, or you wouldn't have a job if, if I, you were like right at the line and you were like, "Hey, I don't think this is gonna sell." I I if I had if I had let it get that far down the line that it was fully approved, ready for production. And then said, no, nope, like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Cause that's, a, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a waste of, of a large engineering team and all of their development time and everything else. And, and you sort of have to consider what else could we have done during that time? So they have to put a lot of trust in you, bro. Yeah. Like, in the sense, like how many yeah. product managers are there? Like, are you the only I, one for that area? I mean, so, there's gotta be a team of you guys, right? Yeah. There's two of us here at zip. I've lost count because we've grown quite a bit. Um, yeah, but more so or less, there's, like, like at Zip, there's in in, yeah. in in SRAM itself, like there's what maybe ten of you guys, or am I shooting high? That's uh, it's more. It's you're shooting low. It's probably shooting closer low. to twenty five. Okay. okay. So wow. When when you when you consider all of the different categories, and and I may be even shooting low with that number, because I, you know, I have got done handlebars. You you probably got road. You probably got mountain bike. You probably got yeah. You know, I mean, or we've whatever. got we've got road drivetrain, mountain bike drivetrain, um, advanced development, suspension. You know, then you've got hammerhead, Velocio, time pedals. You know, there's it. 
with our product lines Holy are so shit. broad. I forgot all about Hammerhead. You just got Hammerhead yeah. too. Jeez, man, yeah. you guys are the market. Like, and <laughs> I, I think I, I think I texted you and I was like, "Is is Ram and Zip just trying to go for world domination? Like, just take over the entire <laughs> market at once?" Because I, I remember when I saw the Hammerhead thing, I was like, oh, "Okay, that makes sense." And then I saw the Velocio thing, and I'm like, "The only thing you guys don't have." Cause you got time at this point. The only thing you guys don't have, and you got power, you got cork, you know, uh-huh. it's like the only thing you guys don't have is a bike. And we talked about it before the podcast, but the conversation for another day, you know, like it's, uh, yeah. the, it, it's not possible, but so, you know, that being said, and, 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 and all of that is like, you essentially had a sales position uh-huh. and then you kind of, you, you know, worked there for so long and, positions opened up and you knew the product and that's how you fell into that spot. That's how I came into it. Wow. I was really lucky. I've been, I've been really lucky throughout my career. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, but it takes, I mean, when you quote unquote lucky, you probably did something to show that you can get the job done. I mean, at the end of the day, these companies are good because they have people who can get the jobs done and that's, Mm -hmm. that's how that stuff works. So no, that's cool, man. Um, well, yeah. So like without diving into all the crazy secrets of SRAM, I don't want to keep you all morning. And I know you got tons of phone calls, but you know, you've listened to this podcast more than yeah. once. And I I got to ask you the question, man. If you could have a cup of coffee with one individual dead or alive, who's that? And how would you take your coffee? So I've, I've thought about this a lot, actually, knowing we were going to talk. And I'm stuck between I'm stuck between two people. I'll give you two people. There's been people that have given like Johnny Whale gave me four. He was the first one to like be like, ah, fuck your one person. I'm gonna I'm I want to sit down with the entire United States Postal Service team. That's what. <laughs> and so, it was in so, that era too. That's yeah. what he wanted. <laughs> so, so the first one is Volodymyr Zelensky. And okay. Because, you know. If you if you haven't if you don't know his history, the guy was a comic actor. He yeah. had a he had a law degree. He he graduated from from a high end university, but he was a comic actor, and then he was wow. elected president of Ukraine. Yeah. And if I know my history right, I could be wrong, and so there could be people that that throw stones at me. But I think he was the first the first president the first freely elected president of Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union. I could be wrong on that. I will check. I don't have, but, like, I'm not Joe Rogan, so I can't, like, yeah. look at somebody behind it and be like, yeah, can you Google that for me? But yeah. No, we don't have that. So. But at the same time, <laughs> right now, he's he is the epitome of an amazing leader, right? Yeah. You know, you've got, you're a small country, you're a lim- you have limited resources, and he's holding off one of the largest military forces in the world yeah and, no, and he's doing it and he's doing it by being present there and it's amazing to watch at least from my perspective and i'd love to have yeah. a cup of coffee or a, or a cup of tea or whatever he's having with him i think my other per, my other choice would be major taylor wow that's a good one that's a good one um and that's that's because you know one to understand what it was like to race a track at that time and race on all the different tracks that are around the world at that time 
right? Yeah. And uh, and two to just listen to listen to his struggles in bike racing because that especially that's something at that know. time, like yeah, you know, people people of color have struggles now in the life that we live in 2022, mm-hmm. and like he was an african-american cyclist what in what what was the era of that like i i don't want to late 1800s early 1900s bro like that's insane you know what i mean and so you want to talk about like racial slurs and hate and so he was he was thrown out of racing in indiana and kentucky he would they wouldn't allow him to race that's wild that's why he moved that's why he moved to massachusetts he grew up here in indianapolis like yeah. It's something that, that it's, it's, you know, and I raced at a velodrome named after him. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I'd love to sit down with him. No, that's gotta be a crazy perspective. I mean, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's like, especially again, it's like the life that we live. It's like, you never really understand until you're in it. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, like the pandemic, right? Like the pandemic is so we're so used to that, but I, 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 I'll never forget, man. I remember being at mid South and, you know, me and Lambie are eating sausages by a fire in a van and everybody's like not going to races and stuff. And mid South just wow. happens to be the only race that wants to race at that current moment in time. Cause for whatever reason, that race is pretty much starting on a Tuesday. And I think the world shut down like practically on a Thursday or Friday. And so like Uh by the race starting on a Tuesday, it's like people are there, you know, and like the parties are going and like, that's, it's just one big party, right? It's a block party for like a week. And we're sitting there and he goes, dude, they're saying that they're going to martial law. Like they're going to shut the, and I, you know, again, I'm an idiot, but Uh I know what martial law is. And I'm like, no chance, no chance. Like, People are going to uprise. Sure enough, man, got home. You can't, couldn't go out of your house. There was curfews. There was all kinds of stuff. And it was like, you never really understand it until you live it. And so like, it would be really cool to sit down with somebody like that who, yeah, you understand that they probably got hated on, but it's like, I'll never understand what it's like to be a person of color. I think that's, you know, and you, you're probably in the same boat, right? It's like, you're sitting there thinking, yeah. like, and it's, it's. It's kind of like, it's just like being like, I'll never know what that feels like. Even if you tell me the story, I still won't know. Just like my wife, like my wife was a, you know, female, uh, PE teacher and uh-huh. she would come home and she'd be like, you know, people give her flack for being a female and, and well, you know, sports male supposedly dominates, but I'll never understand what it's like, you know? Yeah. And so, so yeah, it would be, it would be interesting. That would be, that would be a good one, but Anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and uh, make sure you go check out Nathan Shakel's social media. We'll also put a link in the description below for Shram and Zip, um, and we'll also put the pronunciation of Shram uh, down in the bottom. Uh, like literally, we'll write it out for you, so you'll never have to mess it up again. Um, but other than that, and I probably messed it up a few times on this podcast. But other than that, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you.